Welcome to the Business Sphere. On this podcast, we want to share real stories and real struggles from entrepreneurs who have been where you are. John Fong interviews business professionals and entrepreneurs in many fields to uncover their successes and challenges. We take a deep dive into their journey and provide you with tips and advice to help your business today. Thank you for listening to The Business Sphere. Don't forget to subscribe and share this episode. My guest today is Roberta Matchison, the talent maximizer. She has helped organizations find, hire, grow, and keep top talent for over 25 years. Thank you for being on the show today, and I'm excited to learn a little bit more about yourself, Roberta. Well, thank you so much for having me. So I'm going to start off with a question I always ask my guests. So what do people know you by today, and how did you get to where you are? Well, people know me by the Talent Maximizer because I have been working with organizations for over 25 years, helping them hire and keep the best people. And I got into that line of work because early on, at the age of 24 years old, I was uh, promoted into the executive suite where I was suddenly in charge. (laughs) And, um, you know, when you're 24, you think you know everything. And of course, I thought I knew everything and found out six years later that I probably didn't know much about this idea of managing up. And uh, so if we, you know move forward to where we are today. Uh, My first book that I wrote and was the book that was published was called Suddenly in Charge. And that's a guide for leaders who are looking to help uh, improve their skills on managing up, down, and across the organization. And, you know, as life has gone on and I have, uh, you know, worked with more clients and had different experiences, I have found that the one thing that organizations need if they want to attract and keep talent is great leaders. And the the crazy thing is, is that that's something that you can actually have if you're willing to invest in in your leaders and hire the right people. And that it can be a weapon, right? Because so few organizations have that. So uh, that's, you know, today, what's really top of mind for me and my clients. That's amazing. And I know back when you first started, did you uh, go into your education in this line of work? Um, How did you land your first job? And even further back, like, did you have parents that were entrepreneurial? Um, Well, yes, I did have, um, my father was entrepreneurial. But as I went through college, I never thought about that. Um, I did major in human resources management and I attended Northeastern University. And later on, I got my MBA at the University of Houston. Uh, I never thought about being an entrepreneur until one day, having worked in HR as an HR executive for a number of years, I woke up and I just said, I don't wanna do this anymore. I don't like this. And, and I had in my mind that I needed to get out of HR. And what I discovered later on was that it wasn't that I didn't like HR. I just didn't like the way I was applying what I knew. And that's when I started my own business. And there's so many different pillars within HR, right? Retention, yeah. hiring, progression. Um, there's 
and then there's that whole workplace environment, social aspect. Was there a specific um, area that you specialize in? Like, were you harvesting and looking for good talent? Were you retaining them? Or were you managing a team of HR uh, employees under you? Um, I was managing a team and I was always a generalist because like probably a lot of entrepreneurs, you know, I like doing a lot of different things and I get bored very easily. So doing the same things over and over again, for me, is not fun. I probably would have never gone down the path of being a recruiter because that's all you do, right? You're always looking for people. You're always interviewing people, you placing them or internally or externally. And, you know, for me, the fun part is being creative and coming up with strategic solutions for, for my clients. I see. Um, so what was that pivotal moment? Because you mentioned you rose r- fairly quickly uh, in, in a couple years, right? In the ranks of, you know, in that large company that you were working in. What happened there? What triggered you to make that epiphany moment to kind of not want to work there anymore? Like, was there people? Was there stress? Was there something going on in your personal life? Like, what was that trigger? Well, there it was all of that. Okay. <laughs> and then some. Right? Um, you know, again, being somebody that likes to build things after they're built and continuing to maintain them for someone like me is not very stimulating. And so I was like, man, okay, I have built now HR departments from scratch three times. I don't want to do it a fourth time, you know, because it's going to be the same old, same old. Um, At the time, also, I had gotten married. And so um, my husband was living uh, two hours away. (laughs) So I just said, you know, and and for me to move where he was living, the, the job opportunities were horrible. So I decided, you know what, I'm just going to start my own business. And, and that's what I did. Oh, that's, that's good to know, because timing is a lot has to do with a lot of it in terms of this entrepreneurial journey. Um, And but there's there's also something else if we're being completely transparent here, which I, I like to be, you know, it's always great to have this dream of jumping off and starting your own business. I can tell you as a person who didn't get married until I was 37 years old, um, there is a lot to be said for having a partner who has a steady income. So you can take that risk rather than, oh my gosh, like I'm going to leap. And if this doesn't happen, if I can't make any money, how am I going to pay for my mortgage? Right. So I think it's important for your listeners to assess where they are. And ask themselves, you know, do I have the wherewithal? Do I have the financial backing? You know, even if they're not married, like, can I do this before I make this huge leap? And it's great that you're mentioning this because it's all about perspective. Everyone goes through the journey differently in terms of jumping into business ownership. Either you're starting your own, you're buying an existing practice um, into a field that you're not aware of. Like, you got to do your due diligence. You need to really analyze and see if it's a good fit and do you have resources of six months a year a couple years to survive if there's no additional income Um, what is that gonna look like so in your situation in your case I know you mentioned you got married you relocated and now you wanted to start something Um, 
how did that go early days and how like I would love to dive deep into this because everyone has very similar challenges and I would love to share minds with you as well so I would love to hear how those early couple of years went well those early couple of years the reason I'm laughing is like a year later I was pregnant with my first kid and I, I didn't even know how to tell my clients And so it was sort of funny because most of my clients were men and I don't think they quite noticed, (laughs) you know, they probably looked at me like, you know, she's gained a little weight, (laughs) you know, and I used to wear, you know, flowing, you know, not very tight fitting clothes, like, you know, and so it may not have been so noticeable, but I, you know, I remember coming home to my husband and just saying, you know, well, at some point, I have to tell them I'm not going to be available, you know. And so one of my clients, I remember when I after I had my first child, I, you know, I sent him a note saying, you know, hey, listen, um, you know, I'm gonna take a few weeks off here, I just had a baby. (laughs) And he was like, clueless. (laughs) But I actually thought, and again, this goes back to being naive, I actually thought, um, I wrote to some clients and said, you know, oh, you know, I'm, I'm having a baby tonight. Uh, I'll be back in the office tomorrow, <laughs> which just doesn't really happen. So, you know, I'm laughing because in retrospect, uh, I, I was a little bit naive about how that process would go. Yeah. And then your your shift, right, happens when you now have a family or you have other obligations, right? And especially if they're mainly men and maybe they're single and they're very driven for their career, their perspective of family is not even you know, they cannot gauge time, right, of how much energy is required to raise a family the right way and be present, right? Because if their sole focus is career driven, um, they don't understand why you're not there answering their emails, calls, when even though you have children, it's not a big deal to them. Well, I think that's interesting what you're saying. And I would agree to some extent, But as I wrote in one of my books, um, how I early on, having been a young manager, could not appreciate the fact that my employees actually had kids and that these little creatures actually got sick until I was home with my kid, like, you know, 15, 20 years later. So I don't think it's necessarily just like men not understanding, but I think young women who are not parents or, you know, aren't taking, aren't caregivers for anyone. It's hard to, it's hard to understand until you are in the middle of it. Yes. And then my kids, my second kid was born 18 months later. So it was a crazy time. And in between, you know, I wrote my first book. So. Yeah. There's a lot of moving parts for sure. And it's great that you're mentioning like perspective, right? Until you buy your first home until you move to a new country, until you get married, until you have these life events, you cannot appreciate what other people have been challenged and expressed and talked about because you don't really understand until you're in it yourself. And these are, you know, and and that's a great point because I do a lot of executive coaching and because I have been an executive coach, that is why people, I mean, because yes. I've been an executive, that's why people hire me. Yes. I'm like, how do you work with someone? You know, how do you hire a coach who hasn't done what you want to yes. do? How can that person really understand the challenges 
that go on in the executive suite when they've never been there. So, you know, I think those life experiences are very helpful. So, and they do form and shape your opinions. Exactly. And it's great that you had work experience working with executives to then start your own company that focuses on your skill set and experience. Because without that and mm-hmm. without, you know, the relationships and contacts that you've built and formed over many years, it's very hard to get established and get started, right? Can yeah. you share with the listeners, like, how was the first couple of years? I know the first couple of years were challenging, a lot going on in your personal life, but how hard was it to start getting clients? And what was going on after your children got, you know, settled a little to then focus more heavily on the business? Well, you know, it is a slow climb. Uh, you know, the most successful people that I've seen that have come out and become, you know, consultants and are very successful Um, Those are people typically who have come out of a consulting firm like a McKinsey, and now all of a sudden they're an individual consultant or somebody who has been an executive, and they have tons of contacts in their own organization. And maybe they're an executive in a Fortune 500 company and like a Gillette or something, and then they go off on their own and they've got all these contacts. I didn't really have that. So, you know, for me, it was a very slow climb, you know, just like one project at a time. And over time, I also changed my direction. In the beginning, uh, I was very much somebody who would come in and help you start up your whole HR function. And then I was like, oh, I don't want to do this anymore. And then I realized that I was really great at strategy and helping organizations develop strategies on how to attract and keep great people. And then I discovered I was really great at advising clients. And so over time, you know, I sort of, I morphed into what I am today, which is really a strategic advisor on talent and an executive coach. So where you think you are going isn't necessarily where you're going to wind up. And that's great advice that you're telling the listeners because everyone has this dream of being their own boss, right? Freedom, four-hour work week, trying to, (laughs) you know, all these books and all these, you know, people saying a lot of great things that you want to hear, right? To take that plunge. But no one really talks about the relationships, the struggles, the time commitment, the sacrifice, the energy, right? (laughs) The you know, the focus really, because it's a mind shift, a mindset shift from employee, that rat race to trying to increase your profile in the corporate structure to then independent. And you had leverage on the brand that you were working at, the relationships, people already knew you because you worked at that established company that was formed for many decades, right, or generations. Now, when you're on your own, you got to start from scratch again. And, you know, it's great that you had some, you know, some contacts, but again, you mentioned it's hard, right? At the beginning, just trying to figure out where you want to play and whatever you wanted when you first start is never where you end up. You have to, you know, there's going to be peaks and valleys. There's going to be a lot of wiggling left and right and discovering and pivoting on different 
um, business ideas and profit centers and what you enjoy doing as well. Because why are you sacrificing time and business to do something you don't really want to do, right? It doesn't resonate with your values or, you know, it doesn't really give you that, that energy boost of like fulfillment at the end of it. Well, you know, and also something that is important to understand, it's like, even when you quote unquote, get there, you know, you have to stay there. And so um, an example of this is last year when the pandemic hit in February, my newest book, Evergreen Talent came out. And that book is all about how to see, grow and cultivate a sustainable workforce. And in March, the pandemic hit. So it was like, okay, who cares, right? We have to just keep our business alive and our people alive. So after having, you know, written that book and, you know, all the blood, sweat and tears that went into it, it sort of went up and then it came down. Now, of course, today it's back on the, you know, hit list. But in the meantime, I had to go after another book deal because I was like, okay, I got to keep moving forward or I'm going to fall behind. And so then in September, my latest book, Can We Talk? Seven Principles for Managing Difficult Conversations at Work came out. So, you know, that was book number six. You would think like after your first book, like, wow, I'm an author. This is great. Everyone's going to buy my book and they'll hire me. That's great. But you have to keep going. And so, you know, you have to have that energy and that desire to help people. And that takes a lot of work. No, that's great to hear. And maybe I'm going to pivot a little bit about your, you know, being an author, because I'm in the process of working on my first book. Um, And maybe this is something when you first started, did you, I know it's a lot of work, it's a lot of time commitment, it's a lot of blood, sweat, tears, just very similar to running a business. Um, How did it end up like you you put so much energy into your first one and when it gets published you expect things to be huge right this whole there's going to be a flood of people knowing who you are and wanting to buy your book and then you're going to get bookings left right and center but in reality how did it work out and what kind of tips and tricks you would you advise people who are starting that whole journey of writing a book well you know be realistic because I think you hit the money, you know, right there when you were like, oh, you think everyone's going to call you. What was interesting is like one of my bigger deals that I got, I got an opportunity to work with General Motors. And it wasn't because of my first book, uh, Suddenly in Charge. It was because when my second book came out, Talent Magnetism, uh, I did an author dinner and a woman from GM came and said, I loved your first book. I just had to meet you, right? So like if I had stopped at book number one, I never would have met her. I never would have worked with General Motors. So, you know, it's this, you have to constantly be thinking what's next. It's also, you have to decide, am I going to publish a commercially published book, which mine all are, or am I going to self-publish, right? And each part of that, each part of the process, you think it's the hardest thing you've ever done. And when you get to the next phase, it's even harder, right? So I don't know where you're at in your journey. Maybe you can tell me. Yeah. And 
And thank you. Um, I'm just finishing my writing with my writer. <laughs> so I'm not the greatest at writing, um, but I have people that are helping me, assist me. So I, I think, still think I'm early stages, but I know there's going to be a huge learning curve of everything, like in business, just like when I started podcasting or I started speaking, I started YouTubing. All these is that journey and trying to hit them at the right time because I know even on a launch date, it never happens. Like you got to amplify market. You got to learn about like strategy to get people to know who you, who you are, why you're doing it. It's like that whole journey, right? Yeah. And, well, what you, what you have to understand is launch day is really not launch day. Yes. It's like launch year. And so this year on launch day, I was in Italy. <laughs> so, I mean, I knew better than that. I knew I didn't have to be here. Like, because I knew there wasn't going to be any, you know, ribbons and balloons going up or anything. So it's, you learn, right? Your first time you launch, you know, you're expecting all these, you know, presents to show up and all this excitement and, and you're just like, really, that's it? Yes. And I think that transaction, your first relationship, your first child, your expectations are so much bigger than they really turn out to be, right? And yeah. then you realize how to, you know, I guess your expectations are now jaded or, or more calm because realistic. you- They're realistic. Yeah, realistic, exactly. And then you, you can then judge and plan and then have a, a future plan because then you can continue moving on your gaps, what did you learn from your first time to improve and get better? And like you mentioned, your book launch is one year, which you have to do a tour of speaking and relationship PR struggles and getting on all the shows because that's all marketing because people don't know who you are. You need to constantly be out there to let people in on who Roberta Matchison is, right? So let people in because a lot of people have never heard of you. Well, not yet. <laughs> but after your show, obviously, they will. Yes. But that's what I mean. Like the whole constant battle of attention. There's so much clutter out there. How do you get people to know what you do and how beneficial it is for their organization? Right? Well, you know, I do think that sometimes we get lost in this need to have everybody know who we are when really, like, who are you trying to attract? Yes. I mean, you know, I'm on LinkedIn. I have over a quarter of a million followers. Uh, so what? You know, like, so what, right? I mean, I'd rather have 100 CEOs that know me well, <laughs> who would say, hey, come into my company, or I need your help. So it really depends on, you know, why you're doing all this. And I think so often we get lost and we follow everyone else because everyone else is doing everything. We feel like we need to rather than what are the three biggest things that are going to drive business my way? I totally agree. Um, people are into this new age of uh, social media, right? Where they want the most shares, the most likes, the most followers. Um, but in reality, it's more about just hitting the right people to want to do business with you. If you can target niche down and focus on that, it will allow you to not just 
profit. It's great that you're anticipating this huge influx of business when you first launch a book. But in reality, until you have done it a couple of times, until you learn expectation and realistic expectations and judging, anticipating what needs to be done and where the gaps are and how you can improve, it's all about getting in, learning, and then evolving and getting better every time forward. Yes. And as I mentioned to you earlier, my book, Evergreen Talent, that, you know, published last year, um, although if you look at the numbers, you would say that that's probably the lowest performing of any of my books, which given what we went through, I'm not surprised. But last week I closed my biggest deal ever because of that book. So uh, I'm okay with the low number of book sales. Like I'm fine with that. I'm and glad that, I wrote that book. And that it's not even the, the number. It's about hitting people that really want that content to then connect with you because they see value that they need it. And the more, you know, niche down, refined target that you want to go after versus amplify, unless that's your target audience and you want to hit everyone at at that stage of the buying process to want to then absorb your content and want to take action, right? But really all you need is a couple good clients to keep you around, right? And that's what SMB, small business owners are all about, right? It's about survival, but also want to harvest good clients along the way. Yeah, I look at it as more than survival. I want to thrive. I mean, if I want to survive... I'll go back into the corporate world and take a job doing something. But to me, that's not really thriving. That's not really what I want to be doing. So, uh, you know, I got to thrive. Yeah. And, and that says a lot because you're very ambitious. You wrote a lot of books. You've been on this journey for so many years and you had that corporate climb early in your early 20s. So you know what it takes the energy and time involvement, the sacrifice. And now that your maybe children are a little bit older, you can then dedicate more time and energy back to this, you know, entrepreneurial uh, journey of yours, right? Because I know how much energy it takes to be present for your little ones, right? And, you know, you have to value your time. And if business is it, or if you have children or your family or other obligations, you just have to figure that out. Exactly. But, you know, then you also have the motivation of, you know, college tuition is coming up. So. Yes, that's true. Um, and that gives you a, another burning desire to accomplish more, right? Like you have <laughs> triggers in life. You need to figure out financially how to set yourself up. And there's a lot of people that are okay with working the corporate environment, um, because of social aspects, you know, the environment, and it's just that learning curve, right? Until you, your mindset is shifted to running your own kind of business. There's much more of that learning curve, but it's not for everyone. And it's you got to figure it out. It's not. And, you know, there's a reason why people stay in corporations, you know, they, they do it because it's right for them. It's right. It's the right time for them. They enjoy the, the social aspect. They enjoy the work. They're compensated well, you know, so it's great to talk about being an entrepreneur, but that it's not for everyone. And, and one of the biggest things is that nine to five that you're used to in corporate, 
say goodbye to that. <laughs> I was going <laughs> to say, are you working nine to five? Because I'm not. <laughs> but early days, like if you set yourself up and things start happening, yes, you can potentially. But for the most cases, you probably have to sacrifice a lot more time, energy, and you know, resources, right? Like at the beginning, you're probably not making what you used to make in your corporate environment, right? Um, you have to plan ahead. You have to be ready for those ebbs and flows and anticipation of those deals coming in right away. It never is that case when you're starting off. Yeah. And then I'm sure, you know, there are times that you work weekends because you've got a big project and, you know, so it's all about choice. Yes. And that's the good thing about being a business owner. You have a lot more opportunities and choices of who you want to work with, who you want to hire, uh, where you want to market. Um, but it's a lot going on. So it's not, you know, you have to be prepared to have clarity on what you ultimately want in your life. Um, so I'm going to take that next pivot from, from the book to now about what's going on in your business and what, what do you enjoy most about what you're working on? Like, I know you've been writing all these books, working on, uh, working with a lot of these companies. What do you enjoy most now? Like what, what's the next phase of your um, business life, Roberta? Well, I have been slowly shifting more to being a strategic advisor and also an executive coach. Um, you know, in years past, I would do a lot of tactical projects. And today I'm like, you know what, I'm, I'm going to, I'm available to advise you on how to do this and then your people can implement it. So I'm, you know, I, I'm doing that for a number of reasons. Uh, first of all, I think it's better for the organization because you know, one day I will step away and then they'll be able to do it for themselves. So they'll do that sooner rather than later. It also gives me the ability to work from anywhere. So if I want to go spend a month in Europe and I want to work from there, I can. So that's, you know, that's how I'm setting up my next phase. And that's great because planning it so that you're also working on what you ultimately want your lifestyle to be. Um, and that's great to hear because when I started my agency back in eight years ago, I only hire remote and I could be in Asia, Africa, Europe, anywhere across the US and still operate because I have people doing what they need to do. So just setting it up so that you can then live the life you want to live. Um, and not every business model allows for that, especially bricks and mortar. And if yeah. you are a one-on-one -on -one kind of consultant and they rely on you being face-to-face, -face, can you now go virtual? And what is the expectations or can you do one-to-many? Can you do more speaking? Can you do more ability? What technology allows you to then break down those borders that it used to be reliant on and expectations? So it's more about clarity with you and your you know, partners? Well, I think we've already proven that we can go remote, <laughs> right? Because, you know, 2020, nobody was in anyone's offices. And so, you know, that was a great moment for those of us to pivot and just say, okay, in the past, whenever I was doing an executive co coaching assignment, at a minimum, I'd come in and meet with the client, you know, face to face for the first session, maybe a couple of sessions, and then we go remote. But now it's like, hey, we've done this so many times already. We know it can work. 
I don't need to fly to Alabama. You don't need to set aside a half a day to see me. So we know it can work. It's just how as a business owner, you set it up for yourself. Exactly. So it's, it's great to hear that your, your plans are in motion and it allows you to have more of a, a lifestyle that fits you, right? The business should not dictate how you run your business. You should actually have more control on how you want to run it. Um, and that's what a lot of business owners early days don't get right as well. They feel they're obligated to what the customers want and they're going to pick it. They're going to take on every client because early days you just need revenue, but then you have more clarity and who you want to work with, how you want to operate, how you want your systems and processes implemented. And as you mature in your business and hopefully you continue enjoying that process and evolution, you will get smarter. You'll work more efficient, productive. You'll hire more people that are the right people for your organization. And then you evolve. Um, but that, these are new challenges. And again, it has to be the right person that thrives in this kind of environment. Well, I think the hardest part is saying no to business. I mean, what was so interesting to me is that, you know, a week prior to, to closing this huge deal, I was asked to do um, an executive coaching assignment and it was way below what I normally charge. And I was 99% confident that all the coaching in the world wasn't going to solve this problem. And I didn't want to be on that path because I didn't think it was going to work. And so even though I had nothing else lined up, I turned it down. And I just said, oh, no, I can't do this. This is, <laughs> I'm not going to do this. And then a week later, another opportunity came my way. So you, sometimes you do have to say no. And, and once you get good at saying no, because you know exactly which lane you want to operate in, you have complete clarity on who you want to pick and choose in terms of fitting in your system. Mm -hmm. Because when it deviates and they might be, asking for too much or you're undervalued, then there's other companies that will service them better than you would. And understanding that is, you know, very much about clarity about your business, right? And right. that's why I learned, I, like, as I evolve in this business and this, as I mature in this industry, I'm always trying to learn about who I want to become, who I want to be known as, how do people perceive you and who would be the best fit for my kind of agency, right? Yes. Um, but it takes time, right? Like anything, there's always going to be a lot of pivoting, a lot of turnover. There's a lot of change of clients and expectations. And you got to listen. You got to learn about the environment as well. There's trends going on. There's always stuff. And you got to be at the pulse, especially if you want to continue thriving in your industry. So how do you stay up to date and what's going on? Um, and, you know, what is going on with you? If, you know, I know you're doing a lot of book launches. Are you also on tour a lot? Are you promoting more now than ever? Like, how, how have you kind of shifted um, your business? Well, you know, we're talking about incorporating your lifestyle, right? So when I, when I discovered that my book launch date was going to be while I was in Italy um, and Croatia, I decided to uh, have an international book tour. And so I took my book, Can We Talk, with me. And, um, you know, 
I took photos and put it up on Facebook and LinkedIn and all, you know, all across all platforms. And I, you know, put the book in different situations. So I took the book on tour. (laughs) And uh, I even had a book launch party at a wonderful little Italian restaurant with three other people. (laughs) You know, so like you just kind of adapt. And, you know, you just go with the flow and you, you make do with, with what's going on. Because as you mentioned, the likelihood of you or me being in a room with 500 people right now, you know, who might be interested in buying your book or reading your book is fairly slim. So how do you get the word out at a time when it's, it's different? And that's great to hear because you're able to be nimble, right? And then think as an entrepreneur, what would actually make sense today? And this pivoting idea of bringing it and marketing. And I think a lot of business owners don't spend enough time marketing their business brand um, because they think once you publish it or they, they're out there as a business owner, there's going to be a flock of people or you have a storefront and signage and you know, the best location in Times Square and you have a huge billboard. People are going to call you. The, the phone's going to ring off the charts. It never happens. So, you know, it was interesting you should say that because I was saying to a friend of mine, like, you know, I don't get it. Like, I'd really like to this, you know, I'd like to be on Good Morning America or, you know, one of those talk shows, you know, with my book. And she's like, you know, even if you are on one of those shows, do you really think like the people who are watching those shows, you know, they're making breakfast, they're getting their kids' lunches ready, you know, you think they're going to stop and get a pen and paper out and write down the name of your book? Like, you know, it's just this ego thing, right? Yeah, it's a brand, right? It's like, oh, I want to be on Entrepreneur or Huffington Post or I want to be on Medium, these big, huge article sites, PR sites. But does it resonate with your ideal audience to, for them to trigger to purchase the book or want your services? And if if you're doing mass media, radio, television, whatever, like videos and stuff, how many of their audience members are your ideal type of clients? So, you know, as you dig deeper in business ownership and dealing with a lot of businesses, um, you kind of realize like this whole marketing machine is very important for every business. Understanding where your customers, ideal customers are looking for services like you and then being closer to that funnel throughout that journey, right? Where you can hit them with different content pieces throughout so that they know you exist. And then when they're ready, they know who to turn to. Right. And I think, you know, in, in, again, the spirit of transparency, what I have found, and I don't know if you found this to be true right now, there are a ton of people who are more than willing to help you, right? Like, you know, you've got the PR people who reach out, you've got the social media people who reach out, you've got the people who can help you create a course. So the other day I was on this call and and it was about creating courses. And I have a bunch of courses on LinkedIn learning. So I never had to do my own. So I've been very fortunate. And so this one woman, I private messaged her and I said, let me ask you, how much are you, how much have you invested so far to get your course created? I about fell off my chair when she's like $35,000. And I'm thinking now my math is not my strong suit. But at $99 a course, or even like $1,000 a course, how many of those do you have to sell? And who's going to be buying them? And, 
But, you know, we get so caught up because people are like, oh, you should really create a course around that. But yet we haven't even thought through how the heck are we going to sell it? And if we do, what is it going to cost to create it? And are we really going to make any money? And is it going to lead to other business? Like, nope, we just think we have to have a course. So they're sold on the idea without really knowing the numbers and what's expected in you to actually make it successful. Um, but it's great that a lot of people are reaching out and you're being more open to understanding how course creation is. Even YouTube videos or podcasting, a lot of time and energy is involved. Um, and a lot of investment where you're not making anything, but you're hopefully planning on potentially hitting someone with the right content that resonates with people to then make that decision and purchase. So I'm glad that you're at least learning about that. Um, I just have a couple of other questions, Roberta, and I really want to thank you so far. It's been great, uh, you know, with this conversation. Um, can you explain like maybe some share what has been your biggest strength in terms of acquiring new customers and for the new business owners, where can you guide them? Like what, what do you think you could have done differently if you were to start today, starting your business, knowing what you've known for the last 20 years? Well, I'll start with that question first. I, I would have hired a coach. Um, I do have a coach myself. Uh, I would have done that yeah. because like you said, you know, here you are, you're doing this podcast. I got to guess that you hired someone to help you get all those moving pieces into place. You know, you didn't just buy a mic and start standing up and, you know, recording. And if you did, you probably wasted a ton of time and made a lot of mistakes that you could have avoided. So I really would have hired someone who could guide me as I went to, you know, create my brand and figure out how to price things and things like that. So I, I would have done that. And I think that's really important. And this is great because hiring someone that's gone through what you are planning on doing with experience, proven track record, success, someone you trust will shrink time. This is what a lot of experts in every industry from trade, special, uh, from, from, financial, from any expertise, health, they're in it with experience, 20, 30 year track record. And if you can ask for advice, get some guidance, someone that has experience, and maybe you being an entrepreneur, um, someone that's thinking of starting a business that have been doing it for five, 10, 20 years, that have worked on 10, 20, 30 businesses, proven track record, success, and you plan on exiting, or you plan on having this uh, a lifestyle business, Find someone that 20 years down the road, you can picture yourself being like them and reach out to them and see if this is someone you can work with or hire them so that you can plan and execute accordingly versus trying to struggle early days because you're going to make mistakes. But if you make less mistakes and you, you know, shrink time instead of trying to do it for 10 years and not going anywhere, but you do it for one or two years and then figure it out and then it multiplies and amplifies it will expedite your success rate. Absolutely. And I think it's helpful to have a sounding board, you know, and that's when, you know, I come in as a uh, str strategic advisor on talent. A lot of times I'm working with the CEO or I'm working with an executive and I'm, I'm their sounding board. So they can say, you know, 
well, what do you think of this idea? Well, I think this idea will work. Or, well, I don't think I'd invest my money in this idea. I think if you want to do this, you can do it this way. So just having that ability to bounce things off of someone who isn't necessarily your life partner, who may not know anything about your business, who's watching that wallet, like you know, saying, nope, we're not going to invest $10 in that you know, new piece of equipment. I, I think that can be harmful. So it's good to get that fresh perspective. And that's great to hear because it's good to have abundance amount of people to support you and guide you throughout that entire stages of your journey, right? Early stage, mid stage, exit stage, right? And life is going to throw a lot of challenges at you and personal to different pillars in terms of career work and then relationships and a lot goes on. Um, so what's, what's driving you today? I know business is uh, very important in, in your life. Your children might be a little bit older so that they could be, you know, in starting their post-secondary education um, and you're traveling a lot, right? So what are the main drivers today versus when you first started? Well, first of all, they're not starting their post-secondary. I'm still trying to get them through college. Oh, college, sorry. <laughs> but that's okay. <laughs> you know, the drivers for me is really about having a healthy balance in my life and, you know, making time to do the things that I want to do and not being a prisoner to this business and um, doing what I enjoy. And so that's really where I'm at these days. I don't have to make a million dollars. I don't, you know, if it's going to, if it's going to be doing work that I don't enjoy doing, I'm not doing it. So I've gotten to that place where, um, you know, I have, there are certain former clients that I know if I reached out tomorrow, they engage me again. And I'm like, I don't want to put myself through that. That was painful. Like, <laughs> I don't want to do that again. That person was difficult to work with or wasn't any fun. So I'm just looking to do work that is satisfying, that doesn't stress me out, that allows me to give back and, and give a ton of value to my clients and gives me the flexibility to go see my kids. You know, they're, they're in Philadelphia right now or go travel wherever we're able to travel and do what I want to do. And that's a great ending to this episode because it's all about choosing the life you anticipated when you started your journey of business. And it finally is coming to this, right? Because early stages, everyone thinks they're going to get there a lot sooner. But in reality, a lot of things get thrown at you, right? From personal to work to good clients, bad clients to pivoting on you know, where you kind of picked yourself kind of working with types of clients, which industries, niches, uh, markets, there's a lot to consider so many moving parts. But as you mature, and you become more wise, you realize what's really important, what really brings happiness in your life. And if it allows you more flexibility, it could be shrinking, you know, time to spend more time with your family traveling, doing things that you really are passionate doing, like servicing the community by volunteering, supporting more of your you know, causes, right? Whatever it may be. Finding that ultimate happiness is what life is about. And if you're able to do that with your business, it, it's actually way more, you know, happiness comes from it because you're making a difference. And so I, I love hearing that 
Thank you so much, Roberta. How can any of the listeners get in touch with you, reach out, check you out, um, if you don't mind sharing some of your you know, contact info? Sure. Um, well, they can go to my website, Matchison, M-A-T-U-S-O-N, consulting.com. They can send me an email, Roberta at matchesonconsulting.com. They can also connect with me on LinkedIn. If they mention your name and this podcast, uh, I'll be happy to accept that invitation. And they can follow me on Twitter at Matchison. Amazing. We will add that to all the show notes. I want to thank you for being an awesome guest today. I've learned a lot and I'm glad that we connected. So thanks a lot, Roberta. My pleasure. Thank you for listening to our latest podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the Business Sphere and share this episode. Tune in next week for more interviews from entrepreneurs.